0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Um, And we still haven't come up with a name for the podcast other than the J-I-B-C, Pointing Lives to Christ. That's too much
1: of a mouthful for a podcast. It is. I don't
0: know. It's this episode of the podcast. But um, no, we're so glad that you joined us for this episode. And we wanted to just take some time and unpack all of the different resources that are out there to study the Bible. And I think the first thing that we want to talk about is this is not going to be like seminary-level study of the Bible. This is for um, the person out there who wants to read their Bible, and they come across words that they may not understand. Or maybe you're preparing for a Sunday school class, or maybe you're preparing for your own um, just home study of the Bible with your family. And so what are the different tools that are out there? And I think one of the challenges today that a lot of people face, I know I face, um, I don't know about Paul or, or Dan, but um, is there are so many. There, there are just so many resources out there and what is good, what is not good? What should you pay money for? What should you not pay money for? Um, so with that being said, um, and I, I guess I should say, the one person we're missing is Pebbles, P. Fitz, Pastor Andy. Um, He couldn't be with us tonight. He, uh, he definitely wanted to be here, but he just wasn't able to join us. So he will be with us on the next episode. So with that being said, let's start out and simply talk about the main thing, and that is God's Word, Scripture. And so this can cause a lot of angst. This can cause a lot of frustration, and um, that is what version? What version should I use? And what version is good versus... What version is not good? And I think the one thing that we're going to, I can easily speak for my other two brothers here is this, this is not going to be a time for us to say, well, the King James only, or the King James only is bad. Hey, whatever you're using, um, we just want to make sure that you know the difference between, let's say, for instance, the King James and the message. What's the difference? So I'll throw it out to you guys, whoever wants to start. What,
2: help Help our listeners through that. Well, Pastor Dan and I are looking at each other like both of us just got caught stealing cookies. Um, I'll start. First, let, let me say that I am by no means an expert on translations and different versions of the Bible. I am not. I have some preferences I have for many, many years now. Been an extremely strong advocate for the New American Standard Bible, and, and now I understand there's even a revision to that. And and, you know, the challenge was, for many years, a lot of people thought it was a great translation, but it never really caught on. Um, but there are still a few of us that are hanging on to it by our uh, fingernails. Uh, mine is well-worn. Uh, I find it to be very readable, very.
1: But you read like Yoda. And, I mean, and there are some places in the New American that reads like Yoda. Well, and I'm not, being, I'm not being funny. It's true. Kind of
2: like King James, same way. There's parts of the King James that you just look at it and you're just like, I have no idea what I just read.
0: So let's talk about that for a second. So, PD, you said that it reads like Yoda, and I, I think I at least have in my mind why that is. Talk about why it reads the way it does when you say something like that.
1: Well, it's it's all in the translation um, technique, if you will, the the philosophy of translation. If you think about somebody sitting down... There's two big debates in the in the translation world. One, what family of texts are you going to use? And I'm not even going to get into that because there are good arguments on both is older better or is the fact that there's more that agree better. I can make an argument both ways.
2: And both sides are adamant that they are correct. Yeah.
1: Correct. And yeah. that's 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 it in a very simplistic form. So I don't even want to deal with that side of it the other side though is is important and this the other the side of where the text comes from is important but i in my mind the second phase of translation philosophy is more important and that is do we want to convey an idea such as sentence idea by sentence idea or do we want to convey word by word what's being said now the more word by word the translation the more to use the phrase i used the more yoda it sounds because the original languages the the syntax of subject and verb is not like english and so for instance in the new american standard which is what we would call highly on the formal equivalence end in other words word for word even in the order of subject and verb and modifiers. The, the New American Standard, in the, in the original form, really held tight to that. Now, in the revisions, they have kind of moderated on that. The beauty of it is, is that while it's difficult for the typical English reader to sit down and figure out, the beauty of it is, is you get a feel for the way it was worded in the original. And, the, and it does, because words matter. And that's really what we're talking about here with the Bible. Words matter. It, it helps us
2: to dig into that, I think, easier. I don't know. I'm a, fa- I'm a fan of the translation. Just, it's readability, it's, uh, it's clarity. And there are some spots where it's, there's some spots where it's just not easy to read. And the same thing with the King James. And and my defense of of it is when I sit down to read, I don't really want to have to spend a mountain of time trying to figure out what the writer of that particular passage was saying, Mm -hmm. especially in my personal reading or my devotional life. Um, But at the same time, there are some passages that the King James, even though it's very complicated, still the beauty of it still stick with me. You know, the book of Colossians says that he took away the handwriting of an ordinance, handwriting of ordinance which was against us, and nailing it to the cross. And I'm just like, that's just so beautiful, the whole the whole concept there. And the newer translations don't give you that. They give you what it says, but for me they don't have that flavor, that old English. Um, probably another selling point for some of the newer, more um, common, I guess you will, translations would be that as we have, this is an indictment probably, as we have dumbed down the English language for people, they have simplified the language so much that they often miss the mark on what's trying to actually be said. Um. We went through
1: it as a church years ago. We went through it, and um, I'm trying to think. I think it was 2010, around right around 2010 is when I kind of led the charge on... Changing Bible versions, and it hit me when I was working in Awana with kids, and they couldn't. Un- we were using Awana material that was in the King James, or maybe it was the New King James, even. But they couldn't understand it, and I can remember sitting with a group of boys for several weeks in a row, thinking to myself, "We are wasting too much time teaching them word meanings that." other versions would cover, and that was kind of the impetus for making a wholesale change here at our church to go to the English Standard Version, which is probably a good compromise between the the, uh, precise wordiness of a New American Standard and the dynamic equivalence, not formal equivalence, of like an NIV where it was translated almost sentence by sentence, um, the ESV is kind of a good. It's not nearly as formal an equivalence, but it but it doesn't um, ignore formal equivalence. Um, one of the new versions that's come out is the Legacy Standard Bible, and that that is an attempt to get back what the New American lost in its revisions.
2: And that would be the twenty. 20- I'll pull it up here on my computer. That would be what they call the 2020 revision.
1: Which was not a good revision.
2: Well, and I'm... Okay, I'm the oldest guy in the room, and I'm sticking with my... you use
1: a 1995? A 1995? older than that. Yeah.
2: Because I've been carrying... I carried mine all through Bible college. Yeah. And there was other reasons for that, which we won't go into, because basically it was a bit of rebellion on my part. Not really proud of it, but I did it. Another thing you have to consider when you, when you are picking out a Bible, not only is how it's put together and how it was translated, but does it convey the right message? And furthermore, are you capable of reading it? Mm-hmm. With, with our society on the, on the decline, to be quite honest, I don't think any of us in this room would deny that the United States is not in an educational decline. And that's not a stab at teachers or schools, it's just a simple statement of fact. Some of these are going to read easier than others Mm -hmm. and I might draw some ire from my brothers but I would rather have somebody sit and read like a New International or a, uh, well probably the New International would be the choice in the dynamic rather than not reading at all or to read something that they had no idea what they were reading. Um, we We want our people to read as close to the actual original languages in an English translation as they can but if you're not intellectually capable of understanding what's being said, I I struggle with telling someone to spend, you know, three or four days reading a version they can't get.
0: Yeah. And you, so you've got, you've got this scale, I guess, you know, um, and that's the way I see it. And we actually may put a link in the show notes um, just so you can see what we're talking about. But I often see you have one hand, like we've been talking about the formal equivalent, like PD, you, you mentioned, and that's the NASB, the King James, um, English Legacy standard, standard Bible
1: English standard yeah. would be more formal equivalent. Yeah, it's
0: it's on this sliding scale yeah. if you will. Yep, yep. And so then you move as you're moving away from that word for word translation, you're going to more of a um I think thought it'd be fair, by so, thought. thought by thought idea by idea kind of thing. Um and there you get into you mentioned Paul the NIV. Before. NIV
1: New Living Translation, those are probably yep. the two biggest sellers that are out there. Yep. And I know I have brothers, like Paul would say, that would be like, you never recommend those. There, there are some problematic passages. Yeah. Um, I would stay away from the NIV revisions. I would go to an original NIV. The NIV revisions are dangerous, um, and they're getting worse, and they're setting up to even become
0: gender-neutral. As right. it goes forward. It it's kind of this woke movement. It, correct. It, it's it's finding its way into our translations. Yeah. And, and so, so you
1: gotta you gotta know you gotta be educated on that. But when we start talking about study Bibles, I'm gonna recommend a study bible that is only found in the NIV translation that I know of. But it's a great study bible, and that's the Zondervan Study Bible. And it's only done in the NIV. So, you know, NIV has been has been widely accepted since the early 70s. Yeah. And a lot of people got saved from hearing the gospel from an NIV, and a lot of people really grew in Christ from studying the NIV. It's not the one I would recommend. One of the reasons I love the ESV, and I think the New American still does it too, is when you read poetry, it's written like poetry. It shows up like poetry in your Bible um like in a king james when you're in a poetry section you don't even realize it just by looking at how it lays out on the paper that's why
0: you're talking about the formatting the of the formatting text the formatting of it yes yeah
1: i love what the esv did with their formatting yeah i like their font even right. <laughs> i like the readability of just picking it up and acting with it tactilely i guess
0: so you mentioned a study about but before we get there i want to i want to slide on over because i want to i want to ask you a couple questions why you you mentioned, the Zondervan. Um, so then if you slide all the way over to the to the other side of the scale, from the formal equivalent, you have the paraphrase, which is you've got the message, and um, a couple other ones here that I have on our list here that we're using um, as we record, the Living Bible. Um, I've never heard of the Phillips New Testament in modern English. J.B. Phillips, it's a remarkable work.
2: Yeah, it is. It's a re- remarkable it a work. Remarkable
1: yeah. Work. It's not popular because it's so... It, most
0: of these paraphrases are Simple to read, right? Oh, his is not so very are you meaning like academic? like yes. very high level?
2: yeah, he, he really he really did quite a work
0: and and I think, you know, uh, guys, correct me if I'm wrong. But when I think about these, it's exactly like if any one of us would read the Bible and then put it in a paraphrase. and so uh, if if you know, I, I've been places where the message has been used. and I have heard recommendations that, you should, as you're studying, if you're preparing for a class or to preach or whatever you're doing, you should try to look at as many different translations as you should. Now, for instance, I don't remember the author's name of the message. There was Eugene some, Peterson. Yeah, there was some, there's some very concerning, um, even further than theology with him, and I'm not even going to go there during this episode, but people have a lot of concerns with him, and I understand that. Um, however... It is interesting, to me at least, to look at that and see, okay... And he was educated to look and see, okay, he knew Greek, he knew all that stuff. How did he translate the word? So go ahead, PD. It's really interesting.
1: No matter who's doing the translating, whether it was the King James Bible translators, whether it was the committee that did the New American Standard, the NIV, whatever... Translation is not a perfect, exact science. Yep. You have to make choices. Yep. And because there's not exact matches for Hebrew words, for English words, there's not exact matches for Greek words, for English words. For instance, let me illustrate it real quick. We have some folks that we're well acquainted with who worked in Bible translation in Africa. And when they went to... Um, translate the word redeem redeem we think of we redeem a coupon we we use it and it it gets us something and they don't have a word in in the one of the african languages which I, i can't remember they didn't have a word for redeem but they had a great word from the slave trade and when when the slaves were rounded up they were all tied at the neck and tied together through being tied at the neck. Many times someone would come before they would be shipped overseas and would purchase them back, and it was called to cut at the neck because they would literally take a knife, cut the rope at the neck, and those people were were spared from being. They were freed. They were redeemed. Right. So that just illustrates how how a translator has to go about doing it. As I said, there's not always perfect equivalences for Greek words to English words. For instance, the word love, there's four Greek words for love. Three of which appear in our Bible, but the fourth one doesn't even appear. So what do we do with that? Well, we always translate it love because we have one word. So choices had to be made, right? Which means whenever you have to make choices, you can you can interject your bias. And so you have to understand that. I'm not trying to not trying to um, rock anyone's faith in the word, but every translation has a little bit of a bias to it. Right.
2: And some of that was done for conformity too, so that they kind of carried the same thought through at every point.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So these these paraphrases, if you understand what you're picking up and reading, they can be helpful. in many ways they're not much different than picking up a good Christian book on a subject. Yeah. You're picking up, when you pick up the, the message, you have to remind yourself, this is what Eugene Peterson understood this verse to mean. He may not be right, but at least it gets you thinking about it. Yeah. But you have to be careful. You have to be careful with that.
2: When I do sermon prep and uh, end this list, there are where all the versions that are in, I have a parallel study Bible, a parallel Bible, which has four translations side by side. And the pages are so thin, you can literally read the page below it Mm
0: -hmm. through
2: the paper. I mean, it's that thin, and it is still massive. It was a gift from my first pastor um, because he saw my desire to learn and grow. And I will often read it, and I will read some of the other paraphrases and other translations as I read through to prepare, just to kind of get an additional look or a flow on the passage and how, what other people saw, not because I base what they did on it, but because I want to see, I just want to see how it looks in a different format, how it, how it sounds when you say it, when you read it. Um, I, like I said, I use the New American Standard. The ESV is our, is our I suppose, preferred version here. So when I speak on Sunday mornings, my NASB runs a little contrary to others, but, you know, they're both great translations. So when when you consider a translation that you're going to work with, you have to realize that at some point you're going to have to ask the question, what does it mean? Yep. And what do the words mean? And how did I get here? And, and how do I keep those, how do I keep from stumbling over? Like you said, one of the, the challenges between Greek words and Hebrew words and English is there's no word in some African languages for snow. Correct. Yep. But what do you do about that? Though your sin is as you know as red as scarlet, you can be washed white as snow. Well, you don't have a word for snow, so what do you do? Right.
0: So, along with those challenges, we've laid out a little bit the the different versions or the the um, translation philosophies on some of these Bibles. And I want to get back to something you said just a few moments ago, PD, about the Zondervan. Um, and so we talk about study Bibles. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. So obviously, th- this is something added on... Wh- well, I'll just start here. Why is it a study Bible? What makes a study Bible versus a regular Bible, if you will?
1: There are so many study Bibles. Yeah. Um, a couple, 15 years ago, maybe, the Rage was life application Bibles. Those are study Bibles. Um. The very first Bible my parents bought me was a Ryrie Study Bible. Um, There's study Bibles, and a study. What makes a Bible a study Bible is that it it comes with notes right there in not in with the scripture, but in the sa- on the same page, no, usually noted underneath, and or sometimes on side margins. And those notes are designed to help you to understand hard passages of Scripture. Um, And so one of the things I would caution is when you're reading a study Bible, the Word is inspired, the notes are not. Correct, yep. The notes are done. And I mentioned the Zondervan. I actually have two that I highly recommend. One I recommend over the other one. The first one I would recommend would be the MacArthur Study Bible. And I'm not getting paid to say that. I just think it is the scholarship in the MacArthur Study Bible is beyond reproach. I may not, I may not agree with everything that 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 they come to conclusions on there, but I can tell you this, it's been well researched and it's not been put in there willy-nilly. The Zondervan, the scholarship is broader, but the translator is a guy who many of our audience probably would um, under know would be D.A. Carson. He's the editor, and his philosophy for a study Bible was a good one. Um, there's a guy I really admire who is a great preacher of the Word named Steve Lawson, and I learned from him years ago, listening to him, the first place he begins in sermon prep is he has about three or four study Bibles and he makes copies of those passages yep, yep. so that he has those notes. And um, if it's good enough for a guy who is an expert handler of the Word, it, it's good enough for the person sitting in the pew. Um, a study Bible is a good place to begin. The two I would recommend would be the MacArthur. You can get that in a variety of versions. Yep. You can get that in the New King James, the New American. I think you can still find it in the New American in the ESV. The Zondervan, I you can only find in the um, NIV, and they're a little pricey. Yep. Um, I have both of mine are hardbacks. They're not leather-bound ones or anything like that. The, I like the hardback one practically because it sits on a shelf. It sits on a shelf nicely. That's Paul's phone because he didn't follow the rules. By the way, of silencing <laughs> your phone before the podcast. Um, well,
2: you know, it's just It's uh, like a bull in a china really shop around here. Yeah, I mean, it I'm, is. I'm very important. He is
1: very important. Yeah. He has um, a lot of people. Very important. I like right. the hardback for two reasons. One, it sits on the shelf. And two, when I'm in my office preparing, I can actually put it in my book easel, and it lays in there really nice.
0: And the other thing, too, that they have that uh, I re- also remember um, Steve Lawson, Dr. Lawson, talking about was lots of times – now, I can't, I can't speak to the Zondervan – but I, the MacArthur Study Bible and a couple others I have, usually at the beginning of each book in the Bible, gives a lot of the things, um, a lot of the information that you would need to truly exposit the Word. So you have the back, well, you have who the author is, you have what the purpose of the book was, why it was written to who it was written to, the background, say, for instance, um, e- Ephesians. It was the Apostle Paul, and he was writing to the church in Ephesus and what was going on in Ephesus at that time and so on and so forth. So you have that background that is so important to then understand why, whether it's any of Paul's epistles, why he's saying the things that he does. And so that's the other great piece that you get in a study Bible. And another thing, but wait, there's more. Um,
1: They usually Both of those Bibles that I'm talking about have a good concordance in the back. We're going to talk about concordances. They also... They also both of those Bibles have really helpful charts and maps. Yeah.
2: Yep. One one of the formats that we haven't talked about it 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 wasn't a lot of people's favorites. I use what's called my New market Standard is an open study Bible, and it gives you the same breakdown in every book it tells you the author, the date, the time, the place, it gives you a layout, uh, what we would call just an overview, a guide of of uh, where the Book breaks as far as subject matters, whether it's, you know, whether it's doctrinal or practical, um, you know, certain pieces, and that kind of stuff, if you're looking for it in a Bible, something to help guide you through, it will help you understand how the bits and pieces fit together. Yep. Another thing, you don't see these much anymore, was the Thompson Chain reference Bible. I have one in my office. And I haven't seen one in years, but everything had a number, and everything was kind of organized so you could follow it through, and something that a, a good they study only
1: came in King James.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. The uh, another thing that that a good study Bible will do is it will have a series of references in it that will lead you on in your study of, of certain subjects, and should have in it a if you will a roadmap for the way to lead someone to Christ. Uh, mine mine is terribly worn and has some great notes in it. Uh, a good study Bible will help you build the foundation yep. for. Uh, even greater understanding of Scripture, yep. because it will give you those tools or help you acquire those tools to do just that.
0: So we've looked at the different versions, a brief overview of that, briefly talked about um, the study Bibles. So let's go a step further, um, and one of you, I don't know who it was, mentioned concordance, maybe it was UPD. So we hear about concordances and Bible dictionaries, um, let's talk a little bit about that. Are they needed? What do they do? And there's all kinds of different ones out there. So I guess the first question I'll ask each of you, um, how often do you use a concordance when you prepare? Every time. So Paul's every time. I use an
1: online concordance. Um, before that was a resource, I was using a concordance every time I prepared.
0: Okay. So, so we have two Two brothers who use it all the time. Um, I use it in a different way, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. So why? What does a concordance do for you? So you guys are using it every time. Why? Okay. I'm going to equate this to tools. I grew up around tools. And he's
1: not talking about Paul and I. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Tools, not fools. Yeah. (laughs) Tools. So I did carpentry all my life, and I have several hammers. I have a framing hammer. You would never pick up the framing hammer and use it to to um, do masonry with. You would never pick up a framing hammer and use it to do finished trim carpentry. My framing hammer is big. It's heavy because when I hit with it, I want it to sink a nail in as few hits as possible. When When I use a trim hammer, it's lighter, it's smaller, it's more deft. I think of these tools in that way. The concordance is kind of like a framing hammer in that it gives you a big punch but it's not enough you've got to go if you're only using a concordance you're missing the benefit of the concordance you've got a pair a concordance with a lexicon and that's going a little deep but but the lexicon actually gives you the the understanding of the original words so a concordance will tell you every time that the word grace is used in the Bible. It will list it out for you. It will list out, the Strong's Concordance will list out every time the word the is in the Bible. And,
2: and it needs, if you want to carry a Strong's, you need a, a cart with some decent <laughs> you do. wheels. Yes, you yes, do. Yes, And a rope to pull it around, because yep. it, it will stretch your arm out carrying
0: and it. And it's that big, and the one I have is a little bit older, and you were talking about the paper um, in your, yeah, and, and it's thin. And And the font
1: is is like it'll hurt your eyes, even if you don't wear glasses. In Bible
2: College, when you're a freshman, you have to take a class called uh, it's Bible Doctrine Overview, or it was just it was a one hundred one class for incoming. And one of the requirements was you had to carry a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance to class every time the class met. And I think it was more like a a sanctified hazing. (laughs) Because everybody knew you were in that class. Right. And you had to drag that dude around. Uh, the Strongs, uh, literally online, there's some fabulous tools with Strongs. It will, uh, Concordance will lead you everywhere you want to go, and, and you can get lost in doing word studies like so many have done. There's a, there's another one that I have on my shelf that I use on occasion, and it's a Vines Exhaustive Concordance. And then there's another one which is a Concise Concordance, yep. mm-hmm. which leaves out the thes, the ands, the ofs, the... I'm not very good with English. I would say they're probably adjectives. They're adjectives, words
1: connecting that, words, yeah.
2: Words nobody cares about. Right. And it allows you in a little less hassle to get where you need to be.
0: So you have a concordance that that will literally list out every word in the Bible, um, and depending on which which one, like we said, it will even be the thes and, and all of those. So, PD, you talked about a lexicon. So you you say that you really need them both together. So what does a lexicon do for us? Well,
1: so I, can I talk about an online resource? Absolutely. So there's a resource that honestly shouldn't be free online, yep. but it's been free ever since it's been out there called yep. Blue Letter Bible.
2: It's an amazing and resource. It's it an amazing
1: resource. I use it every week when I prepare yep. because I'm not Greek and Hebrew literate, and I don't need to be. We live, in, we live in an exciting time yeah. in this regard. Not saying that seminary, seminary education is bad. It's not, it's good. But a lot of times guys went to seminary just to learn Greek and Hebrew. Yep. Don't have to do that anymore because of the internet and, and what's available out there. For instance, Blue Letter Bible, we're preaching in Genesis right now. I will pull up the chapter in Genesis and you can put it in whatever version you want And it's still, even though Strong's was always linked to the King James, it will still link the words to the Strong's in another version. And when you go click on that word, then it will pop up another window, and that will be the lexicon. And it will show you all the different ways, for instance, the word grace could be translated. And we think we have one word, grace. A lot of different words, several different words, not a lot, but several different Greek words translated grace, okay? And they have distinct meanings, and words matter. Can I say that again? Words matter, okay? So when you pop it up in in the Blue Letter Bible and you click on, okay, so Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, four by grace, what is that word grace there? When I click on that specific use of grace, it takes me into a lexicon which will show me exactly how that word is used. And it will also then show me every other place in the scripture where it's used that way, which is really important. So the word study isn't necessarily just grace. The word study is how is grace used in this case and where is it used in other places in the scripture. We talk about exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is exposing what a passage says. Eisegesis is putting something into the text that I want to say. Yep if we don't pay attention to the words, we can eisegete really, really easily with a concordance alone.
0: And, and I, think, um, I, you know, I think the thing that we have to remember, and, and I bet some of the people listening look at that and say, okay, well, that's for, that's for pastors or that's for seminary students or something like that. I think the, the, one of the important things that we have to remember is we are talking about the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And God is so perfect and so holy that every single word that He inspired has a purpose. Other than me sitting here talking or us sitting here talking, we stumble over our words and we misuse our words and things like that. God is so perfect that every single word and the placement matters. And so that's why some of these
2: tools, you both said, I use it every single time. And we all need help. We all need help. Yeah, go ahead. There's a term for that. It's called verbal plenary inspiration. Every word, yep, exactly as he meant it, yep. exactly as he expressed it to be written. Yep, and we hold we hold to that here at Jabs. Yeah, we hold to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and we we are an expository, um, uh, we exposit the word, and we exposit the word no matter if we're preaching, if we're teaching, or whatever. And so um, these are not to be able to get up and stand on Sunday um, from the pulpit or stand in a class and be able to wow the class because you can tell them what the Greek word means. No, it's to give, um, well, I, I go back, I thought when you were bringing up the word love, PD. You know, well, if I tell PD I love him, it's different than if I tell my wife I love her. And we only have one word. And that's why things like that are important. And we look at all of the, the way that we speak today and all of the word, well, some of them are non-words, but the things that we say have meaning. Same thing in Bible times, in ancient history. All of that, all of that mattered.
1: Can I throw this in here? If you're listening and you're like, I'd like to learn more about that Blue Letter Bible stuff. Yes. I would love to show you how to use yep. it. Come, come ask me. I would love to show you how to use it. Um, it is a powerful, powerful resource. You can actually go look up Bible dictionaries on there. They have some commentaries on there. We're going to talk about several of those things here going forward. But it has,
2: it's a powerful resource. Yep. Even have some audio stuff. If, if you're a pastor, Dan and I's age, there was an old guy that was on the radio. He did, uh, I think it was through the Bible, J. Vernon McGee. Yep, yep. And he's long since been with the Lord now, probably, what, damn, probably 20 years now? I think yeah, so. Quite longer, yeah.
1: You can find his stuff still on the internet. You can yep. find it on some Christian radio still. You know,
2: Blue Letter Bible has a section in it where you can go to the commentaries and the audio commentaries. He actually has. There are three and four minute clips of him explaining a passage or something, and and boy, it's uh, he had a way with the Word of God. It's he a blast from the end. past, is yep. what it is.
0: So, so then moving forward, so we have the concordance, and, and we wish we could spend more time because, and and for those listeners, PD just said for those listening that that do go here or are local here in Johnstown that that uh, do attend our church, please seek one of us out, and we may not have all the answers, but. Between all four of us, um, we can either show you or get the answer or something like that. And we also have um, some other godly men that go here that are um, very well versed in the Greek and and things like that. So um, we would love to be able to help you. And and this is just to kind of um, yeah. yeah you know, expose you a little bit to some of the stuff. PD, were you going to say something else?
1: Well, I was just going to say that um, the beauty of Blue Letter Bible is too you can have hundreds of dollars of resources for free at your fingertips. Yeah,
0: and we're going to talk about the $100 here in just a little bit um, because you can't spend that much. Um, So let's move on. Um, Again, we'd love to spend more time, but let's move on to commentaries. Can we talk real quick about Bible dictionaries? Yes, yes, I left that off. Yep, it was even on the list. Uh, Can I just recommend, too, And the the importance of a Bible
1: dictionary is, for instance, um, you want to know what a Pharisee is? Bible dictionary will tell you what a Pharisee is. You want to know um, you want to know about a geographical city. A Bible dictionary will give you, like, it'll tell you about Philistines. It'll tell you who the Philistines are. It'll tell you about Beersheba. It'll tell you that Abraham had a well there. It'll tell you these things, and it will take you through the history of it. Right. Um, that's the importance of a Bible dictionary. Let me just throw two out to you that I think are good ones, and they're both comparable in price. I prefer the Nelsons Illustrated because it's illustrated, has really colorful, good pictures in it. It shows archaeological ruins, all kinds of stuff. It's a good one. The other one I would recommend is Ungers, and that's an oldie but goodie one. Ungers, you can, you can buy a used Ungers Bible handbook from Thrift Books or some site like
0: that yep. for less than $10. Yep, yep.
2: And they're both good resources. They really are.
0: Okay, sorry. No, you're fine. No, I'm glad. I was on the list. I totally went over it. So uh, commentaries. Um, and I knew you have a list here. We talked a little bit before recording PD. So, um, and, and most people I think have heard of commentaries. They know that they exist. Um, uh, so the one thing that I will start out with, um, and I, and then I'll just pitch it, um, to Paul and PD. Um, the, the one thing that we have to remember is a commentary was written by a person or a group of people. It is exactly what it says. It is somebody's commentary on the word. Um, and, and so we do have to be very discerning. We have to be Bereans with that. We, we cannot just pick up because somebody has a seminary degree or, or knows Greek or whatever and just say, okay, well, they know more than me, so I'm going to read this. And the other thing I'll throw out is it is not a replacement for the Word. And, and I will just speak for myself. I have gotten lazy before. And I have not done the due diligence that the Word deserves and requires, and I've leaned too hard on a commentary, and and a good commentary that we would all agree is is good quality, but still, it is not the inspired Word of God. And so that's my preface to commentaries, and so I'll throw it out to you guys. Go ahead, Paul.
2: Commentaries are are a valuable tool, a, a good one. It's much like you said about your hammers. Uh, you can go out and buy an S-wing hammer. I like S-wing hammers. You get a good framing hammer. It's got a checkerboard face on it where you hit your thumb with it. You're going to need to have that thumb looked at. Um,
0: I have one of those, and it's bad.
2: Or you can go down to your local
1: Ace hardware and buy just one off the Harbor
2: freight or whatever, and you can buy one for a third of the price, and you'll get just about a third of the performance out of it. So that doesn't mean that spending more for a commentary makes it better. The investment you're going to make in a commentary, first off, has to be one from a reputable source, a reputable publisher, whose vision and view of Scripture matches your vision and view and the truth of Scripture, so you don't wander off the reservation, so to speak. Briefly, there's a lot of different kinds. There's, uh, there's mass accumulative. Um, one of them, Petey's going to talk briefly about, is it's a two-volume set that everybody should have. It's uh, it's deep enough you can get something from it, but yet it's it's simple enough you can understand it. Um, and then the other one is a multi-volume set. John MacArthur puts a set out. There's a, uh, a lot of other ones out there that you can really spend some time on. But they're a great work. They're a great reference. But they are certainly not, they are not a substitute for the yeah. word itself. I go to a commentary last. I will, I will read every version of a passage in that I can get my hands on before I even look at a commentary. So I will have read all the paraphrases, all the literals, all the dynamics. And if I, had a, if I knew how to read Spanish, I'd probably even read one in Spanish. But commentaries are valuable, but they are not the end all.
1: Go ahead, Petey. So commentaries are very valuable. And you're right. Commentaries definitely come with a bias. Yep. Um, they come with theological slants. For instance, some are dispensational, some are not. Some are reformed, some are not. And so there's no perfect commentary. And so when we recommend commentaries, I do it with a little bit of hesitancy. I'm recommending what I think are good resources, but it's always you have to be discerning. You have to be discerning. The Bible is its best interpreter. And we can't forget that. Yes. So... I'm pretty discerning with the commentaries and I wasn't nearly and I think it's just age and ministry. There are certain commentaries that I have tried in the past, commentary series that have been recommended to me. I've bought it like when I preached through Luke or Ephesians or something. Somebody recommended this this and and I've spent $40 on a commentary for Ephesians that after I opened it and read it and used it, tried to use it for preaching, I parked it on my bookshelf and never opened it again. And I made a note, I'll never buy from that series again. So when it comes to buying a commentary, one, I would encourage you, many times they're available online for free, and two, if you're not sure, let's just say you're going to study John or you're going to study you know an Old Testament book and you're not familiar with what a com- good commentary is ask before you buy yeah. yeah talk to somebody before you buy um but for the average layman who who just has a desire to understand the word and and be proficient in it I'm going to recommend that, Every family should at least have this commentary, and it's called the Bible Knowledge Commentary. It was edited by John Wolverd, and I think the other guy's name was Ray Zuck, Z-U-C-K. Yep, yep. Wolverd and Zuck. I look today; it's a two-volume set. It's an Old Testament book, which is probably about three inches thick, and the New Testament may be about two inches, inch and a half thick. You can pick one up brand new for 55 anywhere between 55 and $70, depending if you get it on sale at CBD or on Amazon. You can buy used ones, but I would recommend you buy a used one in good condition. The used ones in fair condition mean they have been all written in and marked up. Yep. But you can buy a used one for $20 or less. That's both volumes together. That to me is a great starter commentary. Even in my sermon preparation today, I will go consult that Bible knowledge commentary. Maybe you're maybe you're a bookworm and you want you want or you want to get it on your Kindle or on your iPad. There is a complete set of commentaries that I recommend more than any other complete set. It covers Genesis all the way through Revelation and it's NIV based. So just understand when you're seeing the scriptures in there, it's going to be in the NIV. It's technical. It deals with Greek words, Hebrew words. It it deals with syntax of sentences. It deals with a lot. And it's a compilation of editors who have done each book of the Bible. And it's called the Expositor's Bible Commentary. And it is an excellent resource that has stood the test of time. It's a good one. Um, you ever want to see one I have them on my shelf in my office if you're in the area stop in I'll let you see it It's it's a it's my f- go to and I bought that years ago I think I sp- paid 150 years ago and they're now up to 400 to 550 dollars for that set I didn't Brand that new.
2: much But I'll tell you Pastor Dan's for 250 you got to catch me at the right time and <laughs> <laughs> make you yeah. a heck of a deal on it
1: <laughs> I have other commentaries in my office that I inherited w- one that Looks like it would be exhaustive of the scriptures, but it's not. All it is is it's a series of messages that of an old Scottish preacher named Alexander McLaren. It's a dear commentary set to me. It's, it's, um, it's got some sentimental value because it was given to me by the man who pastored me before I came out here to Johnstown. But it's, um, it's a good commentary set as well. Um, but always ask if you're not sure. Um, there are some commentators that I would just steer you away from. Yeah there are some commentary series that I would steer you away from.
0: Well, yeah. And I think the thing to remember is, and again, I'm, I'm, you're going to call me Captain Obvious, but it, it's what you're reading is basically whoever the person was or the group of people were who wrote that is, would you want to sit down with them and have them explain a passage to you? That's basically what it is. Would I think, you want to sit under their preaching? Exactly. Many of them are preachers. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um and i mean that you could go on i mean if you just get on you you mentioned christian book distributors or or wherever i mean it's just pages and pages and pages of here's a commentaries. website for
1: commentaries it's it's literally called bestcommentaries.com it's a really good site it rates all the com- you you put it in the book of the bible that you're looking for a commentary for and it rates them all yep it rates them all and actually i found their ratings to be pretty helpful it's called bestcommentaries.com
2: one of the things you have to do is, is the primary thing is you have to look at who the author is.
1: Oh, absolutely. And if you don't
2: recognize the name, yeah, then you need to figure out who he is. Yep. And then you have to determine, sounds terrible to say, but are they in the right camp? Are they, oh, yeah. are they conservative? Are they reformed? Are they, yep. are they left-wing, right-wing? You know, where are they at on the, the yeah. theological spectrum? Um, you know there's a little meat at almost every meal but you don't want to buy a, a big chunk of something that's just all fat and bone
1: yep yeah and older isn't necessarily better like i have been exposed to like calvin's commentaries spurgeon's commentaries some of them they're they're good to read devotionally but um half of the illustrations i don't understand half right. of, you know <laughs> and so um, it's an old. One of the English, big ones that's sure. out there is an old Puritan commentary, Matthew Henry's commentary. Yes. Yep. If you can, you can find that one
0: for free online, yep. and it's always good to look at. Yep.
2: Yeah. Actually, I think that one's on Blue Letter Bible too. Yeah. I think Matthew it Henry's is. is on Blue and Letter Bible.
0: You can get the last time I looked, you can actually get the hardcover set for relatively cheap compared to a multi-book commentary set. It it's fairly cheap. And if you're gonna so. buy an if you're gonna buy a com-
1: commentary from an old guy, he'd be the guy to tell you yep. to go to get Matthew Henry. Yep,
0: yep. So and then the last place we want to stop, uh, kind of bringing this full circle. And we've already told you about one of the tools, but from a technology standpoint, and and um, I'm going to be interested to see. I, I'm looking at Paul now because Paul would probably be the most anti. I don't want to say anti-tech, non-technological. Person when it comes to Bible study. Um, He's a very, um, he's an electrician. And if you don't know Paul, um, for years and years and years, he ran our sound booth. But I look at my brother and he uses the word of God and he has a couple commentaries and he's not into all of the programs and the apps and stuff like that. I think looking at PD, he would probably be somewhere in the middle. And then I'm probably the other way. I'm not sure. Probably Andy. P-Fits uh, has he fits. everything
1: electronically.
0: He it's does. All, it's he all does. electronic. Yeah. His um, whole
2: world runs around electrons. He does. It yeah, does. and
0: before we're done, I want yeah. to make sure,
1: before we end this, I want to I want to put together a list for people of what I think are the must-haves. Yes, yeah. The starter pack, if you will.
0: So real quick, I just want to throw out some things that, um, and most of these are free, but but things for you to just check out, and they're easy for you to check out. So we talked about the Blue Letter Bible. Um, the thing to know about that is it's not only available on the web, but there's an app as well for both Android and iOS. And it's free. And, 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 and the
2: app is amazing. It is so awesome. Yeah, No, I don't, I don't have the app. Shocker. See, there you go. Surprise, surprise. The app
0: is amazing. Yeah, I'm going
2: to go get it right now. Yep.
0: Um, so a couple other things for you to just check out. There's an app out there, and I don't know if there's a website I should have looked. It's called the Step Bible. Um, and it is put out by Tyndale, Tyndale House. And um, it's great if you want to look at the quickly... Very high level look at the original languages, and it's free. Um, You can just, it it will give you a phrase, you can click on it, and it will quickly give you an original meaning in the original languages. So that's one. It's the Step Bible, and if you're looking for it, you should be able to just type in Step, but Step is capitalized. Um, The other one that I like is called the Literal Word, and it is um, the NAS, it's the NASB Bible app. Um, and it, it, it will do a lot of the same thing, but it's it's, a, it's kind of a, I don't know if I would say it's quite a study Bible, but it gives you a lot of resources um, there. Um, the other app that I use is the Parallel Plus Bible. And what you can do is you can pull that app up and you can choose, Paul, you were talking about having a, a parallel Bible, but you can choose, okay, I want to see the NIV next to the ESV. And as you scroll through the verses, it just scrolls both columns. Um, and I think you can go up to maybe four, and it would obviously, it's responsive to your screen size. The Bible
1: so, app will do two, but I think the one okay. you're talking about will do four. Yeah.
0: And I think the Blue Letter Bible, you can also do that, right? Did you guys already say that? I, I didn't say that, but you can put two next yes. to each other in Blue Letter Bible. Yeah. Uh,
2: actually, you can open several occurrences of it on your laptop and run that way. There you go. Yeah, yeah, you can
0: also do that. Yep. Um, And then the most expensive ones um, that are available out there is number one is Logos, Logos, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, And you have the Accordance uh, Bible software. They're both software packages. Um, I use Logos, Logos, um, and they have a great app and I could spend a lot of time talking about it. Uh, Accordance has a Bible app as well, or an app for you, I should say, like a mobile app for your phone. And they also have some free resources. However, um, I love Logos. It is absolutely amazing. It is amazing. But it is expensive. It is super, super expensive. Um, What you can do with it is absolutely amazing. Um, I would definitely encourage you if you're wondering about it you can you can download the app for free and you'll get a few resources with it you can go to their websites they have multiple different packages i mean you can spend thousands of dollars on resources. Up to 20, 30,000. Yes. Um, what I would recommend to you, and I, this is what I've done, and I, I just found this online somewhere um, a, quite a while back when I was looking at the software package. The recommendation is if you search, and they're not going to show it to you right away, if you search, you can get a feature set because the the packages come with features. Um, you can get a feature set and then you can add books or resources as you want them, whatever you need, because it comes in um, like a bronze, silver, gold packages, and it comes in Baptist and Anglican and Catholic and Reformed, and all of these. Well, what you get is when you say you choose the Baptist gold, you are going to get whatever resources they give you, and, and you don't, you can't pick and choose. Um, So that is an option because you can get all of the features, which are amazing. We don't have time to go into them on this episode, but then you can choose the resources that you want to add. And the other thing too, most every month with Logos, they will offer a free book. Um, So you can add those um, as they're available as you need them. So that's one way to kind of navigate the cost of Logos, but um, yeah, it can be super, super expensive. A great
1: website when you have Bible questions is gotquestions.org. Yep. That's a good one.
0: And who does that? I have met. I do
1: don't you... know who does it, but I have— But it's solid. Every time I've gone, I've found it to be solid. Yes. Gotquestions.org. Yep.
2: I, I just, I want to throw this in since I'm the old guy in the room, and I have spoken with numerous people in our congregation. I have found, standing in the pulpit, I would prefer to see my folks holding— a printed Bible. Oh, here we go. Here, here. And and the reason is... Harumph. And, and I am not anti-technology. I just don't embrace it as much as most people. And it's funny because that is part of what I take care of here at church. Number one, the printed word puts you in tactile contact with it. Yep. You have it. You're holding it in your hand. Yes, it's it's kind of inconvenient sometimes because if you're like me, I want to cross my legs, but that, what do I do with my Bible? Where do I set it? Yep. Secondly, it tells me as I'm changing passages that I'm reading, it tells me whether or not they're following me. Um, and I've had several people that have just started attending this church saying, i love to hear the pages turn. Yep. Not only does it remind me of my youth, but it reminds me that we're all working this together. And frankly, as addicted people are now to their electronics and to their screen, you have no idea what they're looking at, whether they're tracking with you or whether they're balancing their checkbook or checking their Facebook or doing whatever. I would say the uh, electronic stuff's great for your study time, whatever. Get a printed Bible of your translation and carry it to church on Sunday with a marker, a pen, and a highlighter, and invest your time in the printed Word of God, because it'll work even when the lights go out.
0: Yep. And and I think the other thing it does Can too, I get an amen? A- amen. Amen. You can get a big amen I, yeah, from me. A, amen. And a big amen. And and, from and me. I think it goes back. To, well, I'm gonna finish my one my my first thought, is it also helps with um memorization and being familiar with the word because you can, for instance, if PD is preaching and you see it on the page, you know, okay, I know where it was on this page. I visually saw it versus a screen that you just endlessly scroll. Now, the other thing I want to add to that and then a PD I'll go to you is you talked about you both of you talked about hammers and tools. Having an app on your phone is very handy. If you are in a remote place, you're at work, you you don't have your Bible with you, it is great to be able to have and and pull it up real quick and reference it. So I think it's I think it's being responsible with God's word. I think that's where it comes down to. And and I think you know, in in our technology technology world, everything is going electronic. Our books, everything. I'm starting to see more and more studies now where there is, and you mentioned it, the touching of pages and the turning of pages, there is a connection with our memories and with remembering things. And books have stood the test of time. And so I think there's, there's, there's something there. There's something there.
1: If you're a father listening to this, Yes, you need to set the example of having you, the Word of God open, yep. and you're engaged when it's being preached. You need to, your kids need to see you with an open Bible.
0: And you told me that, PD. I remember early on. I don't remember if it was a one or a what, but you you advised me, especially with kids, when you reference the Word, show them, have be holding a Bible and point to the Bible and and let them know that you are that is guiding you. Yeah, if you ever see
1: me going in the pulpit with an iPad only and no Bible, you'll know something's, you know, you know that an alien abduction's happened and my mind has been totally (laughs) sucked out.
2: I read the words to, uh, I'd rather have Jesus the other day after the, uh, during the benediction, and I pulled it up on my phone to read it because, frankly, I don't have those words memorized. Uh, But it was very odd for me to be looking at my phone and reading something at the end of the service. But, uh, you know, you, you get a printed Bible, you have it in your hand, you 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 write in it you make your marks in it i'm the bible i'm carrying looks like it's been through the war but on the inside of my bible and and fathers and mothers if you're listening to this inside of the cover of my bible is a picture of my oldest child a daughter taken in 1991 her first night at the very first awana session that's cool she ever went to and it's just about ready to fall out that's cool but it's a polaroid
0: what? It's a Polaroid picture. And I'm seeing a, it. It's a
2: full-blown Polaroid. There you go. And, and it's important. I'm not discrediting the technological aspects of the Word of God and its values, but I'm telling you on Sunday morning, have a printed Bible. Yep. It. Bring it. Let yep. your kids see you carrying it. And frankly, if you're ashamed or embarrassed to be carrying a Bible out to your car and then from the car into the building, you need to check yourself.
0: Yep. Amen to that. So, P.D., you wanted to give a couple... Can I
1: wrap up with yes. just a laundry list or, or maybe it's a Christmas wish list? Yes. You know you what go. I mean? Or, or a birthday, birthday wish there list. There you go. Yep. And I would put it in this order. I think the first thing every, every student of the Word needs is a good study Bible. We've talked about them. I'll give you the two recommendations I have. MacArthur Study Bible, Zondervan Study Bible. Then after that, get online and, and get yourself hooked up with Blue Letter Bible. If you can't get online, Get yourself a concordance and then get yourself a lexicon. Get a good Bible dictionary, Nelson's Illustrated or Unger's. Get yourself a commentary then. Start out with a Bible knowledge commentary. And then there's one last thing. Let's just say you, you have all those and you still are wrestling with some stuff. It's not bad for you as a believer to have a couple theology books. I'm going to recommend to you two systematic theology books. These are kind of pricey. The one is less pricey than the other. Um, I recommend two. The first one is not well known, and it's called Practical Christian Theology. It's still in pr- print. It's printed by Kriegel, published by Kriegel House. Um, you can get the paperback version of that for less than 30 bucks. I like the way it's laid out. I like the theology. I think it's well done. The one that's probably more popular it's a hardback, it's solid. I got it from my Kindle because it was so much cheaper is the one called Biblical Doctrine by MacArthur and Mayhew. Those are the two that I would recommend and say, why do you need a doctrines book real quick at the end here? You need a doctrines book because it systematically gives you understanding of the Word of God. It takes you through all of the all of the understanding of who god is what the word is who jesus is what the holy spirit is and all the way through gifts of the spirit and and filling of the spirit all these things then it takes you into an eschatology it takes you into the practice of the doctrine of the church the doctrine of sin the doctrine of salvation all these things it breaks it down systematically giving you a good understanding of the word and i think you say, "Well, that sounds like a textbook." No, it can be actually a really good tool in your Bible study. Yep, a really good tool.
0: Yep, it 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 gives you it it. Another way to put, it, I think, is that it breaks Scripture, the Old and New Testament, into categories, mm-hmm. um, in, into different categories, and so because you have um, the doctrine of Christ, Christology, all throughout the Bible. Yep, it's all throughout the Bible. You have Christ in the New Testament, and you obviously have Christ in Revelation, and every place in between. And so it it condenses that into, uh, like I said, a category. And and so, um, but then a good and the ones that you you listed, it will then reference all of those. So or it proof text it. It, it proof text all of those. So you doubt what is being said, or or it will direct you areas where you can see it in Scripture itself. And I think that that would be. One of the things that you, whether you're looking at a commentary or or a Bible version or whatever, what is it doing with Christ? Is it pointing you to the Bible, or is it pointing you to a man? And and I think that's one of the big things that you need to look at. And
1: there. just like commentaries, theology books can be real stinkers too. Absolutely, because there are people who are purveyors of yes. really bad theology,
0: and yep. they are written by men, people. So, um, so. I just want to thank you for for tuning in tuning in. I hope this has been helpful and, and our whole desire with this topic is for you to be a student of the word that you don't just come to church on on a Sunday or a Wednesday or come to Sunday school, and that is your scripture um, that we're called to do that, and that is very helpful um, however, every day um we should be in the word and we should be Bereans and we should be allowing the word to change our lives. And so these tools, um, are helpful for that and, and helps us to dig deeper and to be more confident and more well-versed in the word. Any closing comments from Paul or PD? See ya. that, That was easy. Paul? See ya. See ya. All right, guys. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, see ya. Thank you so much for tuning in. And again, for those who, who do um, uh, attend here at JIBC, uh, if you have any questions, as we've said already, please come um, seek out one of the elders. Um, we would love to to show you any of these resources, or if you would like us to dig deeper, if you'd like us to talk more about one of these um, uh, one of these tools. Please let us know. We'd be more than happy to do that. So
2: You might mention our elders' email address if they have questions.
0: Yeah, it's elder. Oh, see, now you're testing. elders at jibchurch.org. Did I get right? At elders at jib church the word church.org that will go to all the elders so until next time everyone i hope this has blessed you and um i I hope that you turn to the word that you seek christ and you seek all the power that is in his word so take care everyone see you soon marinara